right, everyone, welcome to the newest episode of the Jeff Macalino Podcast. And I'm being joined today, in person, not by Zoom, by a very special guest, Mr. Joe Nolfo. Joe, how are you, man? Hey, Jeff Macalino, thanks a lot. I know that I would arrive one day, and I have arrived this day, because therefore I'm sitting before Jeff Macalino on the Jeff Macalino Podcast. I have arrived. <laughs> yes, and it's you'll, you appreciate the, uh, the name of the show, because it's very creative. Yes. Um, as is uh, the Joe Nolfo show. <laughs> yeah. they, they're both uh, in the vowels. I hope the mafia is not in either one of them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Well, we, we can't talk about that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we, I, I pay someone for protection. Yeah. We're good. We're cool. <laughs> so I, I uh, found you. We met through the Joe Nolfo show. Uh, and I'll link everything in the show notes, of course. But go subscribe to the YouTube channel. Uh, it's Scroll down in the show notes, click on that link, and hit the subscribe button. Uh, funny sketch comedy show. Uh, how did you get into that? Well, the Joe Nolfo show was a long time in the making. I'm, I'm a person that I lost my leg in a car accident. I was actually walking, and I got hit by a car like 32 years ago, and I didn't want to be handicapped, and I kind of wanted to be, uh, you know, a head above in the crowd where I would be noticed for doing things, so... I did some uh, crazy stuff and some stunts and and uh, different things I did for charities and stuff we'll get into later. But I really, uh, I guess I didn't want to be handicapped, so I, I kind of got loud, and I was like the loudest guy in the sauna at the gym and always telling jokes and doing stand-up comedy and stuff. And I was actually sitting in a sauna one day, Jeff, at my gym, and I was, of course, I was entertaining everybody, and everybody was laughing. And... Somebody pointed at me, a friend of mine by the name of Brian McDonald, and he said, Joe, you need to start a podcast. You're a natural for it. And uh, I didn't listen to him for like a year. And then finally one morning I woke up and I decided I wanted to do it. So I cleaned out my garage and I blocked off the door and I painted the, came up with a logo for the podcast and actually painted it on the wall. And we built the, you know, the desk for it and all that. And we started out the podcast trying to do uh you know semi-celebrities we had a, a country singer and a couple of the ww wrestlers were on and then you know in a small town like i live at in dunny and there's only so many celebrities that you can find to do the show so it started to morph and i've always you know doing that i being that i had done stand-up comedy and wrote comedy for other people it kind of morphed into a comedy show and uh that's where it is now we're doing, you know, every show is a comedy show and it's kind of like Saturday Night Live back before Saturday Night Live became a platform for the Democrat Party, if you know <laughs> what I mean. So we're, we're still like, you know, pulling funny stuff out of the sky and uh, we're, we're trying to, you know, trying to make one that will go viral. So, you know, it's like playing Battleship. You remember the, the, the game Battleship mm-hmm. when you were younger? You couldn't see where your opponent's ship... One right ship. in here. <laughs> yeah. You, you couldn't see where your your, your your opponent's ship was, so you just kept calling out numbers and hoping you would get a hit. And that's what we're doing with the podcast right now. Like, you know, we got Bob Headley, where uh, it, it's a story about a guy that's a famous motorcycle racer, and he has a terrible crash, and the only thing they can save of him is his head. They actually put a pacemaker in his head, and they put an anus on the back of his neck, and... And it chronicles the story of the rest of his life where he starts out, he, he tries to become a cop. And, and according to the story that uh, the comedy, he's the guy that invented the good cop, bad cop. And it's hilarious to watch. He gets all bloody and, and foaming at the mouth. And that didn't work out for him. So they fired him. And then he tried stand-up comedy. And 
he wasn't very good until they started throwing tomatoes and they hit him in the face with a tomato, Jeff, and he couldn't, he didn't have any arms to wipe it out of his eyes, so that didn't work out for him, so he finally found his niche, and he was in Louisiana on the bayou, and he was playing in a blues band, and he sang the blues, and, um, so he's still out there today, from what I understand, and we got all kinds, I mean, we we just do from one zany side of the world to the other of comedy each week, and, you know, we keep looking for that hit and hoping we go viral, and so that we can get our own studios and uh, our Lamborghinis and start dating girls like 30 years younger than we are. Just looking for the American dream, you know, Jeff? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, I'll, I'll mention a side note. If you listen to this podcast, I assume you like me. So you may want to keep an eye out on the Joe Nolfo show because uh, you, you may see my, uh, my uh, luscious hair make an appearance at some yeah. point. <laughs> yeah, Je- Jeff was a smash hit. We, uh, we gave him a a tryout on one of the shows. In fact, I think he's done two of them now. So he's now an official member of the Not uh, not Yet Motley Crew cast, it's called. The Not Yet Motley Crew cast is what we call it. So he's the, the latest edition of it. And uh, so look for him. You know, I know he's, he's got a good voice, and I promise you he's equally as good looking. So keep an eye out for him on the Joe Nolfo Show. Lots of episodes coming up, weekly episodes. And... Uh, Catch us before uh, we're on television, and then you got to watch commercials when you watch us. Yeah, yeah. Get it, get it now when you can get it for free. No commercials, nothing. That's, That's right. A, That's right. Be an early adopter. <laughs> so anyway, what do you think about these NFL games? It uh, looks like Tom uh, Tom Brady's winning with the Buccaneers again. The, our, our team, our favorite team, the Saints won yeah. again. Uh, I watched them all. Looking pretty good, looking pretty good. I, I there, there there's a reason I'm drinking water and not alcohol because I I was up all I couldn't go to sleep I was up till three a.m. drinking of course because I was so excited about the Saints game yeah. <laughs> that's how much my adrenaline was was pumping I just yeah outrageous yeah I, I like I think the Saints are my favorite team not has nothing to do with football at all I just went there and hit Bourbon Street a couple of times and got hammered and ate great food and I just fell in love with the city so I think that's why I like the Saints even. Over, I'm, I'm I'm a Tampa Bay trader. I'm, I live here, but I I would rather see the Saints because I guess if I had a choice between if I could spend a night in Tampa Bay or a night on Bourbon Street, I think I'd take Bourbon Street. So, yeah, kind of like a favorite for me. Yeah, that's the only the only city aside from places in the Tampa Bay area that I actually know my way around somewhat because I've been there a few times, and you really get to you get to learn the landscape pretty quick. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, another thing that we got going on the uh, the Joan Offal Show, the comedy show, we've done like three or four shows now, is we have a, a cast of ventriloquist dummies, and I think you've seen that, Jeff. You, mm-hmm. you saw the mating game, uh, and they're really they're really hard to manipulate. We're learning; they're getting better, so you can actually we do it on green screen. So when you watch it, it looks like the ventriloquist dummies are alive. We had the uh, the execution of Damien Deville is a classic. You got to watch when you can. And uh, we had just recently uh, the mating game where we have a, a, a human, an actual human woman. She's a part of our cast, uh, Anne Louise Peterson. And it's like the old dating game. And the uh, ventriloquist dummies are competing against each other for a date with her. That's really, that's really hilarious. It's called the mating game. I believe it came out like two days ago, Jeff, I think. And um, we've got, uh, you, do you remember the, uh, you know, the show that they have, The Voice and uh, America's Got Talent? Well, of course, we did one with the Ventriloquist Dummies with those two. It's really hilarious. 
I mean, there's, uh, I think there's 32 comedies on there. I'm sitting here right now racking my brain trying to think of them, and I'm the, uh, so far, the only writer of the show, and uh, and the director and the coordinator, et cetera, et cetera. And it's amazing. I can only sit here and think of like four or five shows. When That's, I'm, <laughs> I'm trying to remember the one that I, um, where you're a, a, a boat captain. Oh, uh, yeah, Like yeah. for a fishing char. I'm trying to remember the name of yeah. that one. Captain that Bragg. Yes, yeah, yes. Ca- Captain Bragg, and he's aboard the, uh, the, the Sea Braggadocio. And he's a guy that, uh, he's a sea captain, an old crusty sea captain that's a drunken can't seem to maintain a relationship with women for one reason or the other, which if you go on his charter boat, he you'll you'll be of no mystery why. He's he's a loudmouth blowhard, and uh, you know everybody that charters they get caught on the boat out in the middle of the ocean with him, and of course they can't get away from him because uh, he's just uh, he's just Captain Bragg, and he just brags about everything. And if you try to cut in or you try to add anything, he cuts you right off, and he's rude. And, <laughs> Pretty much everybody around him is sick, and they're throwing up, and they're in the middle of the ocean. That's a that's a really good one too. Captain Bragg is a great one to watch. That's amazing. I was sitting here trying to think of these shows, and I can't even think of them. And I wrote them, you know. Yeah. <laughs> well, it's it's funny. It's almost like because uh, I I started doing stand up just open mics. I'm looking at the calendar seven months ago thereabouts, and if I haven't done a joke, I couldn't tell you my own. Yeah. Set like it's you. You do it. It's out of your mind forever. Yeah, it's amazing. I'll I'll be sitting like I'll, I'll hear a great joke and I think, man, I got to tell that to the people in the sauna next time I'm at the gym and I'll just be sitting in the sauna racking my brain for 15 minutes. There's no way I can think about it. Then I'll go and hop on my motorcycle. I'll be driving home. I'll be halfway home and ding, it's just like just comes yeah. right into your eye. But uh, anyway, getting back on what you were telling me when you you asked me about the podcast, the whole story is, uh, you know. To tell you the whole way how it happened. Uh, when I was 21 years old, I was walking on 41. I just uh, was deciding whether I was going to move here from uh, Flor- from uh, Miami to Tampa. And I had met a girl, and I was on the way to see her. And somebody ran, hit me and ran me over and ripped my leg off of me and uh, dropped it 90 feet away and left me to die on the street. And then another car ran me over and broke my pelvis. And then finally, the third woman, a third driver saw me was a woman, and she saw me in the darkness, and she went back to the payphones, if you can remember payphones. That shows you how old I am, yeah. They actually had payphones. Young young people listening, you don't know what that is. Ask (laughs) ask your father or something. And uh, she went back to the payphone, and she reported that there was a dead person laying in the road, and he was in a pool of blood, and his leg was gone. And they told her... You know, go back and put your headlights on him until the ambulance gets there so that nobody else runs him over in case he's still alive. Of course, she said, he's not alive, but uh, she went ahead and she put her lights on me. And when she did put her lights on me, I was no longer there. It was just a pull of blood. And so she was rolling down the road trying to wonder what the heck happened with me. And suddenly I appeared at her window and I was standing up on one leg balancing and I was carrying my other leg. And she had her grandkids. Yeah, her granddaughters were in the front seat with her. And of course, it was like a Stephen King movie. Once again, for you young people, look up Stephen King. <laughs> and uh, she put look it up in, his old work, not yeah, his current garbage. Right, <laughs> yeah. So she put it in reverse, and uh, she freaked out. And uh, I, that's the only thing I remember. And I fell to the ground. Then I was in the coma for like four and a half weeks, and uh, I almost died a bunch of times. God, I remember waking up and the whole room was bent in half and screaming, and it was crazy. I, I should have died. 
and I didn't. So I spent four years like in my parents' basement in an old Zamar just drinking, and I started coming out of it. And uh, so I started swimming. I started getting good with swimming. I was always been a really athletic person. So I started swimming. I'd swim five miles, six miles, eight miles without stopping. Wow. And then I thought, you know, well, let me do something for a charity. So I trained to swim for 30 miles nonstop. And there's a organization in Pinellas County called U Park, which is housed at the Long Center. It's the Upper Pinellas Association of Retarded Citizens. And they house and school retarded citizens in Pinellas County. And so I started training and I did a swim at the Long Center, which is a Olympic and a half pull, 75 uh, yards long, I believe it is. Some, I, I guess it's over 150 feet, 190 feet. I forgot what, what yards, feet, what it was. But anyway, it's a Olympic and a half. And I actually, I trained and then one day I swam 964 laps without stopping. Now that's laps, Jeff. That's not links. That's all the way to one end and all the way back. That's one lap. I did 964 Jesus. of those. It took me 15 hours and 43 minutes of nonstop swimming. Uh, CNN came out. And we had people that, if you've been to the Long Center, you know how big it is. We had people that were, I started 11 at night. So they like 3 o'clock in the morning, all these, uh, it was on the local news and everything. So these people that were playing in rock and roll bands and local bars and stuff, they were setting up in the Long Center and playing for me while I was swimming. And uh, so I remember I did uh, 15 hours and 43 minutes. I started at 11 o'clock at night. So I was on, you know, when I got out the next afternoon after swimming 15.43, 15 hours and 43 minutes. I remember I got out and all my friends were there and they took me for a beer. And I remember we went down to the Sunset uh, Pub on Sunset Point. And I think I had two or three draft beers. And I, then I went home and I think I slept for like 16 hours. <laughs> and uh, so I kind of, and then, you know, being an, an, an attention junkie like I am, thus the podcast and the stand-up comedy and all that, I decided I was going to do something else. So I decided I was going to push a racing chair from Florida to California, down the side roads, and I was going to do it for the Humane Society. I've always been a big animal lover, you know, like I got, I've got seven cats and a cockatoo now, and uh, my yard's full of dead animals that I buried, pets, you know, and I can take you on a cemetery tour around my house, so anyway, I got sponsors local of St. Petersburg. They gave me a racing wheelchair, which is the ones like you see that the handicapped uh, paraplegics, you know, the paralyzed mm -hmm. people, they, they do the, uh, the, uh, the, the 25 mile runs with them where it's marathons. like marathons yeah. that's a word I'm looking for They're one wheel on the front two on the side anyway they gave me one of those and then they also donated a crank chair for when I got to the mountains where you actually spin like the pedals with your arms and so I trained and uh, I needed a sponsor for it so I took my mother to a Jimmy Buffett concert true story here and uh, and uh, I, my mother said to me she said Joe she says why don't you know Joe uh, Jim, Jimmy's a you know, a philanthropist, why don't you go ahead and write a letter and, and see if you can get it to somebody in his organization and see if he'll sponsor you. So I wrote a letter and uh, and I and I worked my way around the back of the Ice Palace. I forgot what it's called now. At the time it was Amber. called. Yeah. yeah, it was called the Ice Palace. And I went around the back with a manila envelope, which uh, had, you know, telling him what I was going to do, what I had done in the swimming pool and all that. And I passed it off to one of his guys, and I gave the guy twenty bucks. He was one. He said he was one of his road managers, and that was as far as I could get. So I gave him the twenty dollars Manila envelope. Three weeks later, I get a phone call, and uh, SFC called me from Key West, from the Crest Building. F SFC is singing for change, and ever since Jimmy Buffett's been doing concerts 
he's been donating one dollar of each ticket to the F SFC Corporation, which is Singing for Change, which he donates to things for you know charities that he agrees with. So anyway, they gave me a sum of money, and I bought a I, I bought a, a motor home, and we and I'm an artist, so I painted down both sides of it, uh, Jimmy Buffett's Margaritaville and parrots all over it, and all that. I did that in honor of his generosity, and then we pushed the racing wheelchair. We started from Daytona Beach. And we went all, and we pushed it, and I pushed it all the way to Los Angeles. It took me five and a half months, and I pushed like twenty-five miles a day at least, Monday through Friday, and then Saturday and Sunday, we had the weekends off. And I always made sure, whenever possible, that I could end up somewhere interesting for the weekend. Like my first time I was ever in New Orleans was mm. uh, Saturday and Sunday there. And I, if, if I remember correctly, I think I had to skip Monday. I think I was <laughs> unable to push on Monday, so that went over great. And uh, then I got back, and I, you know, of course, I liked the attention. I was in the newspapers. I was on a hundred, uh, I was on, I was on a hundred uh, television shows. I was in newspapers. So I decided what I was going to do next. And I had a friend that had a thirty-foot sailboat that was kind of rotting away behind his house. So I bought it from him, and I worked on it for about six months and, re and rebuilt the steering in it and everything. And I got bank sales out of Tampa. They donated sales to me. Uh, Mercury Marine gave me a Quicksilver Dink, and they gave me two a Bigfoot 15 horsepower Mercury. They donated it to me. Uh, they gave me a, a Mercury for the back of the Dink, uh, the Quicksilver Dink, which was from Mercury too. Uh, man lures gave me lures, pen rods and reels. That just I, I had crates. I would come home, Jeff, and there was crates of, of stuff that people donated for me to go and, and help these organizations <laughs> and do good. So I took off on a sailboat with me and my two pit bulls and a buddy of mine, and we didn't come back for seven and a half months. We we went down the coast of Florida, and we did every newspaper, every story. Then we went, then we lived in Key West for a while, and uh, that was really interesting. For about two months, two and a half months, we lived in Key West, and uh, we'd have a little bit of sporadic money coming in from sponsors. So what we were doing to uh, raise money. Actually, we were we had a big sponsor coming in from Irwin Sailboats, and he was going to give us a satellite phone and several thousand dollars because we were in, in an Irwin boat. And so he was coming down to give us the money one time, and he came down there. He's re, he's passed away now, but he came down with a tear in his eye and took me out to lunch and said he couldn't do nothing because his wife had filed for divorce on him. So we stayed. We ended up having to stay in Key West for like another five or six weeks and I was scraping the bottom of boats you know for money taking the barnacles off them in Key West like at the Key West Marina which was really scary to do because it was like 16 foot deep and you had to keep one eye and you had to keep your eyes open in the back of your head to those bull sharks all over the place and the guy that I was with he went and worked construction for money I used to go down when the boats came in where the charter boats where there had you know thousands of fish and I would I would uh, help fillet people their, their fish for uh, people and they would give me fish and pay me and so anyway, then we went on to Cuba, and we stayed in Cuba for three months, and they said I was the only... I told them I was doing it for the... We did it for the Manatee Organization, which Jimmy Buffett was a co-founder of, and uh, they let us stay there for three months. So we got to go all over Cuba. They never charged us for staying there. We got we got to go into uh, Havana and sit in the... Got You don't get to sit in the seat where Ernest Hemingway actually drank at the Florida Bar because it's cordoned off with red velvet, but we saw all that. And walk the streets, and I got to tell you, the, the the Cuban. I grew up in the uh, in Miami with the Cuban people, and and you know they're they're good people, they're kind of macho people, but man, the people that uh, that lived in Cuba, I don't know what it was, but you were always looking for like candid camera. They were so friendly everywhere you went. It was just it was really a great experience, and um, so we went to Cuba, and then we come back to Key West, and 
we uh, lived in Key West for like another month. Finally, seven and a half months later, I came back home. And uh, I've always been a motorcycle guy too, Jeff. So I decided I was going to ride the perimeter, you know, being that I'm missing a leg. I'm going to ride the perimeter of the United States for a charity and do newspapers around, you know. Uh, I rode the motorcycle around the United States of America and I went into Mexico and I went into Canada too for the center for people with disabilities, myself being disabled, of course. And I rode that motorcycle for three and a half months. And um, that's when I, I met a guy named Mitchell Rappaport that was the president of the Houston division of the Center for People with Disabilities. And he talked to me about starting a program to get a handicapped person on the space shuttle. And me and him both, we co-founded Project DAISY, which stands for Disabled Astronauts Introduction in the Space Environment. And then for the seven years after that, I was in, I was in that program going back and forth, you know, to Clear Lake where everybody, everybody calls Houston, but really Clear Lake where NASA was. And I got to, I got to be, work on the International Space Station's gym, you know, because weights float away. So they had uh, dumbbells that had cables coming from every angle that were computerized. And I got to work out with them on that. And I actually got to eat lunch with Sally Ride, the first woman in oh, space. Yeah. I got pictures and, and um, I'm, I might be even releasing a book on it because I, I have thousands of pages of uh, the project, the Project Daisy and all the interactions between the people in it and all that. So um, that's pretty much getting back to the story, how I got into the podcast. And when I did these things, I guess I was starting to get too old to swim 30 miles or you know, push a wheelchair across the country. So I had to get attention somehow. So I started, <laughs> started doing stand-up comedy. And I think that's probably what morphed finally into the uh, the podcast that you're now a part of, Jeff. Yeah, no, that, you've had, uh, you have some fascinating backstory yeah. of things you've done that are, that are, uh, uh, I'm trying to think of the, the right way to say it. Cause I'm a very lazy person. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, gosh, I could never do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It it takes a lot of dedication, <coughs> excuse me, dedication uh, yeah. and commitment to uh, set out a goal and actually go ahead and do it. Yeah, well, it's a life changer when you when you get hit by a car and you don't remember it and you wake up and you're missing a leg, man, and you know you don't want to be missing a leg. So I guess that's just the way in act of acting out to to kind of like uh, no null and void being disabled out, you know. So I guess it did it for a while, you know. When you're when you when you break a world record distance swimmer, you push a racing wheelchair from here to California. People don't look at you like you're disabled. You know? No, well, you don't you don't act like it. If that makes sense, I'm, yeah. I mean that's not a not a uh, not one of the adjectives I would use if they say, "Hey, tell me about Joe." I wouldn't. Yeah. I, I would say funny. I would say yeah. a, a bunch of things before yeah. I'd say, "Oh yeah, he's missing a leg." Yeah, <laughs> which is just kind of. I mean, that is a testament to you. Yeah, uh, and your personality is is bigger than any physical. Uh, uh, ailments. <laughs> yeah, I I actually forget it myself sometimes too. You know, I really do. People ask me about something like you know that concerns it, and I'll be like, God, I forgot all about it. You know, but uh, anyway. Well, that's a good mental uh, mental uh, uh, way. Of, I mean, of dealing with it. It's not something that you you dwell on every day, or it, it certainly doesn't seem like it. No. no. Um, so this the, the Project Daisy and uh, NASA and the the gym for the International Space Station and I I told you I won't repeat it for the gazillionth time I talk about planetary living all the time on here. Um, so the gym, what was it your idea with the gym or how did that come about? No, I actually I went out there. It was a time when I got to meet Sally Ride and all that, and there was a uh, 
a, a scientist from India. He was well. He wasn't from India. He was an Indian scientist. I I shouldn't say his name because without talking to him first. But he approached me about it because I'm you know a physical guy and I've been lifting weights since I was sixteen. You know I'm I'm like I'm fifty nine now and I can still like to hit four hundred pounds if I want to. So I, you can tell by looking at me that I'm kind of like a weightlifter. And he brought me off to the side. He was at the lunch. Uh, meeting that we had and afterwards he brought me off and asked me if I would be interested in doing it and of course I said I would be and uh, so I actually I went home and then like a month later I came back up and I and I worked on it and what it is is Jeff if you if you're in space and you put 1200 pounds on a dumbbell on a, on a on a bench press it'll float away in space right so what they had is they had the bars and they had cables coming from every single direction like they had like a curling bar so when you you would hit the cur- you would sit down and then you'd hit the machine and you'd type in like 75 pounds. And then you would pull it and you'd hear it go and then it would pull back. Because, you know, everything else floats away. So I, I spent like a week there and being observed by people too, you know, like Dr. Poole who passed away that was the, uh, the head of our project and all that. And uh, it was really, really super interesting. And like Sally Ride came by... And I got to meet the uh, first, I, I can't say names without talking to people first, but you probably heard of him. He was the first American Indian in space. And they went up there to do some real delicate operation that involved somebody getting outside of the space shuttle and actually dangling in space with a, with a safety cable on and doing the work. And the guy that, that they had trained to do it for a long time got up there and he got sick and he couldn't do it. And the American Indian first astronaut, he he went out and he did it without, you know, the, the training that he's supposed to do and is successful. So he's like, a, not only is he the first American Indian uh, astronaut, but he he was like a hero at the time. And that reminds me of a funny story too, hanging in my house. You know, my mother is a, my mother's an old country woman. She's 80, 84 now, I believe, but she was from Tennessee. And those people up in the mountains in Tennessee, they didn't believe that we ever touched the moon. They thought that that was, you know, oh. they thought that was total <laughs> BS. And they thought that it was filmed in Webster. Like, if you go up in the mountains in Tennessee and you talk to them about that, they'll say, that's, that's bull malarkey. That was all filmed in Webster, Florida. <laughs> so I actually uh, talked to my friend, the, the Indian astronaut, that I can't mention his name. And uh, I had a picture of me and him uh, side by side in that same room where we developed the International Space Station, Jim. And he signed the bottom of it, and I got hanging in my house, and it says, good luck getting to Webster, because I was, you know, one of the candidates trying to get in the shuttle. So it, it kind of, it's like a family joke, and it's still hanging in my house. It was funny, with a picture of me and him, and he's, you know, good luck getting to Webster. So anyway, uh, it was a funny story, but I had a lot of time. I actually got, I got to go to Banana Creek once when they, when they launched one of the shuttles. And uh, that was when Bill Clinton was the president. And I remember when we left after the after the launch. I remember it took us like seven hours to get out of Banana Creek because Hillary Clinton was there, and they wouldn't let anybody go until she was completely out of the area. Everybody was pissed off at Hillary Clinton back then. I guess they still are today. <laughs> you know, but uh, so that pretty much the 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 memories of all that stuff. But uh, maybe uh, maybe you want to talk about the the books that I write. You want to talk yeah, about that? Yeah, yeah. Let's. Uh, I mean, you've got how many now? I got four on the four. market right now. That's on. That's available on Amazon Books right now, and I've and got. And I'll link all those, by the way, as well. Great. <laughs> and I got three. Uh, I got three others that I'm finishing up. Uh, the first one that I wrote, I wrote when I was in Cafe Libertad in Cuba, and it's called Bone Key, and it's a story. It's a. It's a uh, 
tropical thriller that takes place in Key West. It's a story about a guy named Bradley West, and he goes, uh, he lives in New York City, and he's a stockbroker, and he's burned out. And he goes to a, uh, a bar in Manhattan one night, and he meets a gentleman that's there because his father died, and his father was a banker. And uh, he was there to get his inheritance, but he never wanted to be a banker. And against his father's wishes, he went. He moved to Key West, and he dove for Mel Fisher on the gold boats. And then afterwards, he bought his own shrimp boat. And um, so he meets the main character, Bradley West, who's burned out, like I said, as a stockbroker. And they agreed to... Bradley West is going to go down and look at this guy's shrimp boat. And so he drops everything in New York City and his girlfriend and everything. And he moves down to Key West to operate the shrimp boat. And within a week's time, he's uh, met a new uh, he met a new love interest. At the time, he didn't know it, but he knows it now that she's got like this modern-day pirate serial killer that's down there that's crazy, thinking that they're still a couple and hates Bradley West. And they've got a hard-nosed detective that's trying to pin a capital murder on him and it's just helter skelter in the first week it's a actually it got uh, out of five out of five stars it got four stars on the amazon rating system and then um there's a continuation that's a that's a continuing story and it goes on into new orleans and if you thought that the silence of the lambs was a scary book bloody tuesday will make silence of the lambs look like a romper room fairy tale it's called bloody tuesday Bradley West goes to New Orleans and he gets involved with some really, really nasty characters. It's really not such an easy read, but every it, everybody that read is it's a pretty much a sensation. If you like thrillers like uh, you know, like I said, Silence of the Lands, Bloody Tuesdays, Out of This World, you got to get it. But you have to read Bone Key first, and then I wrote a one that that could be a that's out on the market. It could be a, Di a Disney Pixar film. It's called Tony Tonga and the Mystic Waterfall. And it's like a hundred years ago in a, in a village in Polynesia and a young boy that loses his father to a tiger shark when he's 10 years old and has to become the father of his, uh, or he has to become the leader of his family, you know, the breadwinner and all that at 10 years old. And the story, it's just a really long, compelling story from the time he's a child until he, he grows up to be the master of the Rapanui village and all that. And then it has, the, the second book is coming out on that one also. That's, that is a really, that, like my mother and, and women that read my books, they like that one the best. And then probably the most fun one to read is uh, The King of Johnny Mangoes. And it's about it's about a story of these two guys that, that met one time 20 years before. And one, one takes the path of becoming an airplane pilot and the other one takes the path of becoming a criminal and going to prison, a violent criminal. And their lives, then they separate, and then 20 years later, they just, I, I, the book is full, just ironic as it can be, and it's a lot of fun to read about a kingfish contest and a, and a thwarted robbery, and it's just a lot, a lot of fun to run. It's, it's called The King of Johnny Mangoes. It's a novella, and uh, if you like, if you like fun-spirited books that you put down and you feel good for reading, I mean, that's really one to get, but uh, if Where does I, that one take place? That one takes location? place right here in Ozona, Florida, right? You know oh, okay. where Molly Goodheads is? In fact, uh, it was it was originally called The King of Molly Goodheads because I had cleared it with the Molly Goodheads bar down there. And then before it came out, uh, the, the man that owned the bar decided he didn't want to be associated with anything at all anymore. And then he passed away like a month later. I don't know if he wasn't feeling good or what, but uh, I kind of wished it, it would have stayed that way. But by the time... He said no, and I changed it to Johnny Mangoes. He passed on, and I wasn't going to go back down there because it was already into the publishing and all that stuff. So, 
they're all available on Amazon Books. Uh, I think the, the, the King of Johnny Mangles is like $3.40. It's a Kindle book, you know. So um, people de definitely got to buy a book and keep us afloat so that we can keep going with the, this entertainment <laughs> and, and more funny stories and more funny shows and, you know. If you sit around and you don't have any money to buy beer, Jeff, you can't think of funny shows. So they, it's it's up to them to keep us right. floating in beer and stuff like that so we can keep being funny and having shows and stuff. So it's up to you out there in cyberspace. Our destinies and futures are in your hands. So please <laughs> buy books and help us and watch the show, the Joan Olpo show. Yeah, no, it's, um, it's interesting how, uh, how many things you have your hands in. Um, and and really, even with the books, they're and I haven't read them, but I I will I will I promise. Um, and, and if it makes you feel better, I've got my brother's book somewhere over there. I haven't read that either. Oh, okay, Just yeah. this weekend, he was saying something like, "Yeah, I don't really do podcasts. So I don't listen to your podcast, but you've never read my books." Yeah. <laughs> I'm like, "No, I tried." <laughs> well, Bone Key and Bloody Tuesday, you pick up those books, and I promise you. You read in 15, 16 pages of Bone Key, you won't be able to put either one of them down. I mean, it's a kind of book that you'll, you, you'll read until you can't keep your eyes open. And then if you get up in the morning, if you've got 20 minutes before you got to be in the shower and be in work, you'll read it for 15. I swear, I promise you. The, the, those books are compelling as heck. Uh, like when I was growing up, I, I watched The Exorcist. was like my favorite movie. In fact, i got to tell you, that's probably what shaped some of these books, the... Uh, I had one, one guy that, that was a professor of literature, and he started reading Bloody Tuesday, and he gave it back to me, and he said it was too dark. And it, I think maybe The Exorcist and Linda Blair did have something to do to it, because I got a confession for you, Jeff. I'm 59 years old. I, about two years ago, I was probably 57 years old. I was by myself at my house, and I watched The Exorcist for the first time in about 12 years, and I had to use the restroom, and I'm not lying. I'm not trying to be funny. I swear to you, I was standing urinating at my toilet with a 45 automatic in my hand and if if, if, if some nine ten year old stray girl would have came down my hallway i would have shot her i mean i, was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean so uh I'm, of course i'm making a joke about that but uh definitely when i when i wrote when i wrote bloody Tuesday at the time on cable tv they had a bunch of different musics i don't know if you can remember that was probably 25 years ago they had, uh, you could select whatever kind of music you want. There was no videos. It was just music on the cable. And one, they would leave one as far as like, you know, death metal, black metal. And so when I was writing the characters in this book, like when I was writing the, the, the good guy character, I would listen to, you know, you know bright music, mm. you know, waiting for a star to fall. And then when I was, re when I was reading, uh, writing Jack Triton's part, Jack Triton was a character that was brutalized as a child, so not only is he this wicked bad guy, but you feel so sorry for him at the same time. And when I was writing his parts in the book, I was listening to death metal, you know, this stuff like, the children must die! And I, I, and I, I had a guy, like, like I was telling you before, that, were, that read the book, and he, he was a professor of literature, and, he, and I told him that I wrote it that way, and he, and, and he was a religious guy too, and he says, Joe, he says, I think that... Uh, a demon was possessing you when you wrote that part. So he said, <laughs> I mean, I'm being serious. He said, I, how, I don't know how else you could have thought about that. But I, like I said, if you like 
the Silence of the Lambs, you're going to love Bloody Tuesday, man, because, you know, Silence of the Lamb is like, you know, you you read Bloody Tuesday, you're going you're gonna to throw the Silence of the Lambs to your 10-year-old kid to read, you know what I mean? <laughs> so, not not that, it, I mean, it's just not gross violence or nothing, just the just the sinister, you know, the the, the cerebral, just... It's Evil? Just, yeah, yeah. <laughs> The uh, yeah. uh, it's fascinating. You talk about the uh, the music playing into it. I had I had one guy on the podcast who he wrote a book, and I don't. I think he told me this after we stopped recording, um, or if not, it's at the tail end of that podcast. But I think it's not on the podcast. He said he actually he published the book, and then a month later he actually put out a soundtrack compilation where. Like, each chapter, put on this music in the background while you read the chapter. Yeah. And I'm like, that's a fascinating... And it's kind of similar idea to yeah. writing with... If you're writing for a good guy, listen to something kind of uplifting. If you're writing for evil, death metal will probably get your head a yeah. little bit. Yeah. That's an interesting... Um, I'm fascinated by the writing method. Um, I don't think I could ever bring myself to write a book, because I don't think I can focus enough. Um I, I try to write screenplays and stuff, and <laughs> that's a, di- a, a different style, I think. There's less of a description needed and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, but I'm going to need to try to, to do some of that with, with music uh, to kind of see if it gets anything in my head to click. That's a, yeah. And it would be interesting to go through, you know, reading one of your books. Now, it can't be too distracting that you're not reading the words, but it would be interesting to go through and have a soundtrack for a book. Yeah. Because it, it adds so much, I think, to... Well, I mean, we know how much it adds to movies, the background noise. Absolutely, yeah. You know what? You, you got me thinking here when, you know, talking about the... I'm telling you about the music I listened to when I was writing a certain characters. I wonder if there's a connection. Like, before I took off on the sailboat that I told you I did, I got into uh, Jimmy Buffett. I always liked Jimmy Buffett from the time I was a kid. And I listened to... He has a he has a book a book called Tales from Margaritaville. It was his first publishing, and it was about nine short stories, if I recall correctly. And then there was an album called Off to See the Lizard, and each one of the songs coincided with the chapters in the book. Mm. And that was one of the that was one of the driving forces, probably the uh, you know the the root the seed that that was planted in my mind to buy the sailboat and do all that because reading his books, man, you know, you want to get out on the, uh, you want to go get out and live on a sailboat, and you want to be out there and do that, and I did that, Jeff, I did that for seven months, and let me tell anybody that's out there listening right now, if you listen to a Jimmy Buffett book, and you think it's paradise living on a sailboat, don't listen to that, because that's <laughs> bullshit, that is some of the hardest living there is out there on a sailboat, let me tell you what, you're out there in the, you're out in the elements, and in the waves, and we got caught in a couple of storms, and I got, you know, uh, like in my book Bone Key there's even a section where it talks about people that you know listen to Jimmy Buffett and bought into it went out and bought a book and got their asses kicked and went, yeah. <laughs> and went back home and I you know which happened to me too but at the time I didn't have anywhere to run back to I mean home was on the boat so and I was too far away from home so but uh, you know no matter how bad it gets how tough it is when you look back on it it's always a fond memory when it involves adventure you know no matter how no how hard it was, it's it's a fond memory because those are like some of the fondest memories of my life, you know. Yeah, no, it's funny how your brain will will trick you. I still I I was bringing this up this past weekend when I was helping my brother with the chicken coop. I spent a summer working construction when I was in high school, and 
I look back at that like, oh, this was such a great time. I got to build something. I did not enjoy it when I was doing it. But in hindsight, it's like, look at, you know, I drive by. It was a nursing home in uh, Largo, I think. And uh, I drive by. I'm like, I had a big role in that. Yeah, that was awesome. No, it sucked. Yeah, I mean, and that probably goes back historically to the beginning of time. Think about the, the slaves that were forced to drag those rocks that built the pyramids, man. If you were one of the few that survived when you got down in your drink and that old ancient beer looking up going, wow, look what we did, you know? And well, I... Probably a fond, fond memory for them. Well, Zula, the space monkey, who's a puppet who was on my podcast uh, a couple weeks ago, she said that her species actually did the pyramids. It wasn't humans. Oh, so... I, it was aliens, yeah. yeah that's, so that, <laughs> they, they never have figured out how they got that big of a rock to slide up there. They said they put them on little, like, straws, and they pulled them on rope. That's kind of hard to believe. Maybe the monkey did do it. I mean, there's no way people were... It, it seems like people continue to be bigger and stronger as time progresses. Yeah. So unless thousands of years ago people were like superhuman strength, I mean, yeah. I feel like back then they were probably smaller than we are now. So I don't know how they yeah. would have been strong enough to do that. That's right, because you know I got a, I have a friend that uh, owns a gun shop, and he's a, he's an avid collector of World War II. And you go into this back room if you're you know if you buy enough guns from him, he'll take you into this like special room in the back of his shop, and it's uh, got all real authentic like SS uniforms, Japanese, of course Japanese are always smaller, but like the Germans and the Russians. And let me tell you what, man, there's not one suit that I could even, I couldn't put my arm in one of the legs. And he says that, and I said, well, these aren't, these aren't real, right? These, the uniforms are too small. He said, Joe, he goes, those people, they didn't have anything to eat, man. He goes, they didn't have Burger Kings, man. He, you know, they, they were, they ate the, whatever they could grow. And, you know, they went without eating. He said, the, the human being keeps getting larger and larger according, you know, because the easier it gets and yeah. you got a job and you got a Publix you got a Winn-Dixie and then you got chicken wings and you got beer and those guys they didn't have it man they were they were eating whatever oh you got the <laughs> buttons over there <laughs> that's okay <laughs> yeah special studio chairs yeah if you if you drop water on it it you can't stop it really which is really awful yeah I'm <laughs> especially saying- this this head one because at a certain point it gets uncomfortable when it starts pushing it down yeah, we're, we're we're sitting in the studio here, and it's my first time in it. And I hit, I I put my hand down, and the chair started moving, and then all of a sudden, I'm thinking about Linda Blair again, man. <laughs> the chair was like, what the hell, man? I'm I saw here. I saw you hit the headrest <laughs> earlier, and I'm like, uh... <laughs> yeah, it's alive. The chair is alive, man. Yeah, that's a the the special uh, the special uh, studio perk is the. The chair moves you. <laughs> so listen, let's talk a little about this terrestrial and these planets and stuff. I, I'm interested. You were telling me before we went on air about how you talked about planets a lot, and I'm, I'm interested in that kind of stuff. Let, let's hear. Let's see what you got to say about that. I want to see if uh, if I'm interested in, in what you're talking about. Well, I think, and the technology is not there yet with space travel, but I think Elon Musk and all those billionaire people are doing a lot to push that. But I think eventually. Planets living on planets will just be not intelligent. You can, if you can travel through space effectively and build gigantic space stations where you can live on. Uh, I think uh, it's not a show I'm super familiar with, but I think like Star Trek. Like I, I remember the the Enterprise. They had families living on the ship. Yeah, yeah. I feel like a bigger version of that. Because each, you know, the planet has limited resources. 
why would you tie yourself to one planet when, you know, you might be able, you know, there might be a, another planet and another solar system that has a better energy source that can help you travel even more effectively through space. Well, that happened already once. You remember Sigourney Weaver? They went on that other planet and the aliens <laughs> tore their asses up, man. I don't know about you, but I wouldn't want to meet one of those cats. Well, it's that's, that's fascinating to me, too, with aliens is, I, you know... I, if if they're out there watching us or if they've been to our planet, they're clearly so much more advanced than us and they just leave us alone so far. Yeah, I'm hoping that, you know, I, I've thought about that too and I had a dream once that like the aliens took over and like I became a king because the aliens had come, they only had one leg and they kind of bounced around and they when they found me, they thought I was like a king or something and everybody else was like in the dungeon and I was like eating uh, eating Martian caviar and stuff like that, Martian champagne. I, I had a dream that almost spurned a uh, comic book uh, uh, franchise. Um, well, partially almost. We, we, but uh, I had a dream. I don't sleep much at all, uh, like three, four hours tops. But for whatever reason, I, I don't know if I took an edible. Uh, I definitely drank. But for whatever reason, I slept for eight hours straight. And I dreamt that six months went by. Uh, but in this six months, I was driving from Tampa to St. Pete on the bridge. The bridge collapsed. I died. Like, I remember vividly thinking I was dying. Uh, and then I woke up on a spaceship with aliens that just didn't quite look like... Like, I could tell they were not humans. Uh, but they were close enough, which was important because I fucked a bunch of them. <laughs> of course. Of course, that's where it goes. But... I survived because I'm one of the immortal beings in the planet, so I was yeah, like a right. god. Uh, so they saved me, but they wouldn't let me go back to Earth, and I spent six months up there. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, I don't know what the point of that was. <laughs> vivid, vivid dreams are uh, can be a treasure trove, I think, for creativity. <laughs> I don't know about you, but with the, with the current government that's steering our nation right now, another planet sounds good to me, you know? Well, yeah, I, I do think that would be, I used to think, you know, it would be nice to get an island where you could maybe just start over with. <laughs> yeah, or I was thinking maybe, you know, if they did, if, if we did have Martians come down here, maybe we could get our president to give them like $90 billion worth of tanks and stuff too, you know? <laughs> maybe, we, maybe we could like side with the Martians and then we could get rid of the, uh, the, the problem in Afghanistan with those people, you get the Martians, give them the weapons, and let the Martians attack them. Yeah. <laughs> let them handle it. With their, they're, they're better at travel than us and everything already. Um, do you want to take a real quick break? Yeah, I can do that. You got cocktails, right? I do. All right, let's, let's have a cocktail and we'll come back and have more fun. All right, we'll be right back. Yeah, we are back. We are drinking. Forgot that we uh, have a second part of a podcast to put together. Yeah, the drinks add up, man. We we were going to have one, and now I'm on my third, and it's bringing, stirring us back some stories, and we're talking about books and travel and the keys, and boy, I tell you, it brought back some funny old drinking stories. Jeff, tell me, do you have any funny drinking stories? I mean, you got one that's remarkable that you want to share with the viewers? 
The listeners, I've, I should say. I've 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 got one that's remarkable and embarrassing. Oh, let it rip! <laughs> I think it's I think it shows. I, I I I constantly brag about being like superhuman when it comes to alcohol. Like I never get hangovers. Ooh, I wish I could say that. Part, well, part of the problem with not getting hangovers, my buddy Tyler always. I go out drinking with him, and at a certain point, he's like, "This is going to be my last one, or I'm going to have a hangover tomorrow." And I'm like. Is that normal? He's like, I think so. He's like, that's why you never stop drinking and you black out because you don't have the thing in your head that just says stop. Right. I, I just keep going. So I black out way too often. But I had a uh, a marathon blackout session one day. Uh, and it, unfortunately, it started with a work function, which is, <laughs> I, was, I was in management, which is probably not a, <laughs> it's probably good that I'm not anymore. Yeah. No connection there, of course, right? <laughs> no, no. I was I was a real successful. Uh, I'm a, a high functioning alcohol. Yeah. <laughs> but right. they had this team building thing. It was a beach day, and it happened to be on a weekend. I didn't have my kids. That was always my excuse for not going. That's a good time to drink when your kids aren't around. Yeah. So I sneak a, a handle, a 1.75 liter of, of Captain Morgan and a Ooh, bottle of Diet Coke. The Captain man. Ooh. And I fill up a fill up a Tervis, and I'm drinking. Throughout the day. This started at 7.30 in the morning. Well, well, hold on a minute. What's a Tervis for us Floridians? What the heck is a Tervis? Oh, it's a giant cup. Oh, a well, giant? It keeps it cold. All right, that Tervis, that's giant cup for the layman out there. Go ahead, yeah. yeah, and it keeps the yeah. drink cold. Yeah. <laughs> that's the main the main function. Somebody else brought ice. I knew someone else was bringing ice. So I, you I've had always ter- prepared. You brought the Tervis, they brought the ice. Yes, yeah, I bought set. the booze. And, and the a mixture. Captain Morgan. Okay, you're set. So at the things are winding down. We're talking about going to a bar afterwards. A group of us, uh, and I pour my pour my last drink into my Tervis, and the Captain Morgan bottle's empty. I'm like, I don't care because I said anyone could have it, but who else was drinking this? And there's an intern that just starts giggling, and he's like, "You drank all of it. I've been watching you, and it's just." Amazing how much you've been drinking. Did you angrily like accuse anybody of drinking your liquor? No, no, I no? was fine. No. I I hope someone did oh. <laughs> because then it clicked in my head. I I have almost two liters of rum inside of me right now. Ooh, that's rough too, and Captain. I, and I know from experience, the captain don't play. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you know, a blackout's coming. It's imminent. Oh. It's. You know it's coming. So I, I'm smart enough at that point to call a couple of my friends and say, I'm going to the Toasted Monkey with a couple of my coworkers. Toasted Monkey's a bar? A bar yeah. on, on the beach. Right. Uh, I'm like, so can you come and meet me and uh, maybe give me a ride? Because I, I didn't drive, of course. Um, <laughs> so I'm at the bar. I'm sitting at the bar, which is about 10 feet away from where my coworkers are. And uh, I'm drinking Crown Royal at this point. I've, I've, I've switched. Rum is kind of my morning drink. Whiskey is my... Morning drink as well. <laughs> <laughs> it's my, my PM drink is, is, <laughs> is Crown Royal or Canadian Club. You're a better man than me when it comes to drinking. Captain Morgan's is, that's be like a midnight drink for me. <laughs> but anyway, go ahead. Well, midnight is in the AM. So yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> true. that's true. But uh, so the last thing I remember, and I, I said some pretty terrible things from what my co-workers told me Monday at work, by the way. Uh, actually, the, the bartender was, was attractive, and at one point, uh, they asked her to play, I think, it, instead of fuck, marry, kill, it was fuck, suck, kill. Ugh. And uh, this is what a co-worker told me on Monday. 
You have to I, take his word for it, of course. I have to take my his word for it because yeah. I don't remember. Uh, she said she would. She first thing she said is I would suck. She would suck me, and apparently my response to that was, "Bitch, I'll give you AIDS." Oh man. <laughs> I don't have AIDS. <laughs> that was Captain Morgan talking. That wasn't you. And I do remember she was hot. So I think that was Captain Morgan's attempt at a pickup line. Talk about saying the wrong thing at the wrong time. The only thing I can think, you, you've seen the shirt. Uh, it's like a, a bowling shirt that I was wearing. And it I, I'm assuming it was a reference to Charlie Sheen because I'm assuming there's something there, but... It does, does sound it does sound kind of similar to some of his episodes of uh, Two and know, a Half Men. Yeah, yeah. that sounds like it. Yeah, so so the last thing I remember, my friend showed up and they're peeling shrimp and forcing it, forcing me to eat it, and I I, I just realized at that point like this, I'm way too far gone if they're force feeding food, especially shrimp. Yeah, yeah, probably not the best yeah. food to be. Yeah. But anyways, that's the last thing I remember. This is like 2 o'clock in the afternoon. I wake up right here on my couch. It's dark, and I assume it's 8 or 9 p.m. Because, you know, I assume they just brought me home, and I slept it off, and, you know, I didn't remember the ride home, which is a pretty common thing. So I look at my phone, and I have a text message at 1.13 in the morning from my buddy who met me at the bar asking if I, if I left. And I'm like, well, left where? <laughs> So then I realized, well, if he didn't drive me, I must have Ubered to get home. Yeah. So I look at Uber, and it's someplace far off, not on the beach, not near here. Now, hold on a minute. As drunk as you were, you remember how to Uber? I have some sort of crazy survival instinct. Wow. It's, it's, this is where it's like superhuman. I was out from 2 p.m. until 1 a.m., blacked out for 11 hours, my friends swear I was up and moving and talking and still drinking the entire time. I do not remember a damn thing. Maybe Linda Blair or something. There was a demon involved. You know? <laughs> <laughs> I had to go. And then you, you become, I, I, I am an expert at this because I'm so experienced, unfortunately. Never 11 hours, but before that. Um, you become Sherlock Holmes looking through your phone, your pockets for evidence of where you've been and what you've done. You have to try to recreate your own life. Uh, I pull out a koozie that says, the man, the myth, the legend, happy 50th birthday, Nick. And I'm like, who the fuck is Nick? You mean you didn't have, you remembered your name. You you, you were sure you weren't Nick, right? I was sure I wasn't Nick and that I yeah. wasn't 50. Although, uh, <laughs> you know, who knows at that point. <laughs> I guess you could black out years. Yeah. Certain that, level. It happened to Woody Allen in, in the sleeper, right? <laughs> But oh god, that was the worst. It was it was the best testament to my my marathon uh, drinking abilities, yeah. my survival instincts. Um, uh, to my credit, I've never blacked out that long again since then. So maybe I learned some kind of lesson. Yeah, well, I got to tell you that, that that's one serious drinking story and I'm, unlike you I, I i don't i can't drink for a long time i black out pretty easy especially the older i've gotten but i got a real doozy to tell you i was i was probably about 22 23 years old and me and my brother and a couple guys we went down and we had an aunt that had a uh, trailer in uh, outdoor resorts down in uh, Layton key and one of the guys had a crab boat and he was doing stones and blue crabs and all that 
And we went out there, and I was running my mouth. I was the youngest of them all. And we were drinking, I believe, Jack Daniels, because my, was was my, my father was an Italian that grew up in, um, in uh, New York. And, you know, that's where... Uh, the reason why Jack Daniels got so popular is because they, they paid Frank Sinatra back in the early days. And every time he was photographed, he was always drinking Jack Daniels. I, you know as well as I do, if you ever drink a shot of Jack Daniels straight, that is like drinking freaking gasoline. That shit sucks, you know what I mean? It's like, if, they, if alcohol is a crutch, Jack Daniels is a damn wheelchair, you know what I mean? So we're drinking out there, we're drinking Jack Daniels. And I'm on the crab boat, and they're pulling crabs, and I'm telling them, I'm, and I'm trying to pour them all drinks, and they're saying, Joe, we got we to gotta pull these crabs. Ah, screw that. I was the youngest one on the boat, and I was the loudest mouth. And from what I heard, what was told to me, I passed out, and I was throwing up over the side of the boat. And so they all had to drive me back to the dock, and then they had to carry me, and they put me into bed. And then they came back like an hour later, and they had a bunch of crabs. So my brother came up with a fun idea to throw a couple dozen blue crabs in the bed with me. And so they did. I was drunk, passed out. And uh, they threw the 20, 25 blue crabs on me and threw the blankets Jesus. over it and took off and, and went to the bar laughing. Little bar called the Safari Bar down the street from it. It ain't there no more. But anybody anybody listening out there that's been going to the Keys for a long, long time, it was the one in Leighton Key that had a giant rhinoceros out in front of it. And they went down there and they laughed the whole time. And they they thought, you know, they had the visions of me waking up and the crabs hanging off of certain parts of my body. And they were laughing and laughing. And they came back home and I was still asleep. And those crabs are still in the damn blankets with me. So they had to wake me up. And I remember, man, they woke me up and. Uh, I came too slowly, and then I saw the crabs in the bed. Man, I was slinging crabs everywhere, and they were <laughs> shattering up against the walls. And poor damn crabs, they didn't deserve that, you know. And uh, so the ones that survived, we went ahead and boiled some water and drank some more and ate the crabs and all that. And it was a happy ending story, but that was <laughs> except that, for the crabs. That was the only, yeah. I mean, that was the only that that was the only time I had crabs in my life. You know, on my body. <laughs> I I drank too much and I woke up with yeah. crabs. That's probably yeah. a lot of people have so, told you know, that, but and, about a different. As you can imagine, all these other people telling me about they get, they slept with a woman and got crabs. You know, I'm not impressed, man. You know, I, I'm like you're not even worthy of hearing my story. You know what I mean? My crabs were bigger than yours. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But uh, Jeff, I got to tell you. I really appreciate you having me on your show, man. It's been a real pleasure, and I hope that you'll invite me back again. And uh, I, you know, I'm 20 miles away from you, and I'll be here in a heartbeat. I'd love to sit and talk more about space travel or crabs or Linda Blair, <laughs> or and especially help you with a couple more cocktails if you need that. You know what I mean? Uh, I I can always use assistance with that. But, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know, so- this might be the beginning of a beautiful friendship. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, anyone who can drink with me at uh, whatever time this is, it's early in the afternoon. Yeah. Yeah, I got nothing to live for. You know, the podcast, that's it. So, anyway, just kidding. But anyway, all right, Jeff, I want to say thank you. I got to head out, and I'm going to see you Thursday for the Joe Nolfo Show. And um, everybody, please watch. Please subscribe. Help us out. Let's keep... We need to keep drinking and having a good time and putting crabs in the bed with people and drinking. What kind of drink was that? What was that glass you carried around? The Traverse or something? What was that? Uh, uh, oh, God. Now Tra- I've already Traverne? Uh, uh, yeah. Whatever. Turvis. Turvis. <laughs> yeah, whatever. That big drink that he carries around. You know, that, that those things do not fill themselves for free. So watch the show. Enjoy the show. Love the show. And finance us in our alcoholic escapades, and therefore, we'll, and then we can keep bringing you this top shelf quality entertainment. 
So, Jeff, you got anything to say in closing? The more we drink, the better it'll be. And again, I'll link everything in the show notes. Go subscribe to the Joe Nolfo Show on YouTube. N-O-L-F-O. Yes, sir. Uh, I'll link his books as well. Uh, and, of course, you know, follow me on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook and uh, anywhere else you want to follow me. Uh, mm. Preferably not in person, um, unless you're really good looking. Right? Yeah. If you're if you're a female between the ages of twenty four and thirty two, and you know, you can give me a shout. We'll see. Yeah, and anyone's twenty one to twenty four, you can follow me. You know, that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you where he lives. <laughs> yeah. Send your picture, instant address, guarantee. <laughs> uh, and uh, hey. Tell a friend to listen. We're top 10% globally amongst podcasts. Uh, and I want to be top 5% before the end of, what year is it? 2021. 2021. <laughs> uh, Joe, thanks again for joining me. Uh, and uh, check out his show. And uh, you'll, you'll hear more and see more from me and uh, him in the future. We'll be back. Peace. Hey, that was it. That was the episode. Why are you still listening? Uh, hey, no, really, I just wanted to add a quick postscript. Uh, Joe Nolfo, subscribe to his YouTube channel, please. Makes things so much easier when people subscribe. Um, and uh, we didn't realize, uh, I uh, afterwards I went and watched the uh, mating game episode that just came out a couple days ago. Uh, I had completely forgotten I had done a uh, voiceover. Uh, for that episode. I wasn't there when they filmed it, but I added on a voiceover later. So see if you can spot me there uh, at the uh, at the end. You should recognize my voice because I don't disguise it well. Um, so yeah, click on the links. Joe is an awesome dude. Very, very lucky that I uh, have met him and getting to uh, do some fun things with him. Uh, really inspirational, some of the th- stuff he's done for charity and uh some really cool stuff especially if you're I feel like uh this was a uh play to the home crowd uh you know a lot of things we talked about locally around the uh, Pinellas County Florida area uh so I hope you enjoyed it subscribe to it um and really just to add on to what he said you know uh money uh money makes things easier so hey if you love this podcast you know, you can dig through your couch cushions and you can, uh, in a link that's in the show notes, you can actually um, send a, a monthly contribution to help me uh, pay for additional equipment uh, and uh, maybe eventually uh, getting things to go video. And, uh, you know, I'd like to uh, maybe try some uh, advertisements because uh, word of mouth is great, but uh, advertisements obviously helps you... Am I saying that weird? Advertisements. So it sounds weird. Let's just call them ads. Um, this is what happens when you have a few cocktails in the middle of the day. Uh, by the way, I can't let this episode go without... Again, I talked to Joe, our favorite team, the New Orleans Saints. 38-3. My God. Jameis Winston... Got to be one of the front runners for MVP. There's 16 weeks to go, but boy, he looked like a different quarterback than what we saw in Tampa Bay. Um, Paulson Adebo with a big pick. 
Rookie looks good. I told my dad, uh, I told him, watch out for this Juwan Johnson guy, number 83. He catches a couple of fourth down conversions, one of them being a touchdown, and then he caught a second touchdown. So I looked like a smarty pants. Uh, thanks, Nick Underhill, for uh, for highlighting him all off season and uh, making me look like I know what I'm talking about. Um, James beat me in picks uh, by one so far because uh, I think we picked different teams tonight, Monday night's game. I picked the Raiders and he picked the Ravens, so I can tie them or be down by two. It's very frustrating that an eight-year-old is continuing uh, now on to year three of beating me in football picks. Um, of course, the difference was I didn't pick the Saints to win. Maybe it was good luck. I don't know. Anywho, if you feel so inclined, uh, you know, click that link to send me money. But if you don't, go click the Joe Nolfo uh, YouTube link. It's the first link down below. Just hit that subscribe button. Doesn't cost you anything. Doesn't take more than two seconds of your time. Everyone helps, you know. I, uh, I, I try not to ask for much, but doing a simple thing like clicking a mouse two times or if you're on your phone, you don't even need to click a mouse. You just click the screen. Very simple. Do it. Do it now. Do it.